parents want to uh, comfort their kids, but it's not always easy to know how. When I was a kid, I had obsessive compulsive tendencies uh, that robbed me of much joy. Um, for a time, I was compulsively apologetic. I, I felt guilty a lot, often for insignificant things, and I frequently apologized and asked for forgiveness. My hypersensitivity was actually a burden uh, for me, and my parents did the best that they could to help me through it. Many nights, my, my mom sat uh, on my bed and, and consoled and counseled me, and my memory's bad, so I don't really remember what my parents did to counsel me, but I'm sure that their, uh, the, the whole direction of, of, of their counsel was to help me grasp the gospel and to apply it to my life. And I made progress. I grew a lot, but I'm still learning, still learning what it looks like to go to Christ for comfort in my distress. Uh, our children get hurt. They get sick, they have anxieties, they fail, they fear, they are sometimes rejected, people hurt them, they make really bad choices and then suffer the consequences. And, and we don't like seeing our kids suffer and struggle. So how can we comfort them? And as we think about that, it's helpful to, to have a simple paradigm to work from. Uh, some basic biblical conclusions. A paradigm can help us be more strategic and can help us be more effective. So, so here's an easy-to-remember uh, paradigm that's helpful and practical in every single parenting situation. Guilt, grace, gratitude. It works in other relationships as well. And I'm going to unpack that paradigm here this morning. If we're going to be a balm... Uh, for our children and others in, in their pain and in their struggle, we need to have answers to these three questions. Number one, what does it mean to have comfort? Number two, how does someone have comfort? And number three, how can we comfort our kids and others? So we begin with number one, what does it mean to have comfort? Well, you're distraught and someone or something cheers you up. Uh, relieves you in some way, soothes you in some way. And people, as we've found and as we see around us in our own lives and in the lives of others, people seek comfort and seek to give comfort in various ways. And there's a big difference between people who don't trust Christ and people who do trust Christ. To cut to the chase, people who don't trust Christ seek comfort in everything but Christ. But those who trust Christ seek comfort from Christ, from Christ. And that's a big difference. And we want our kids to seek comfort from Christ. Many people run to food for comfort. Why do we call them comfort foods? There's something about that. And when things get bad, we just pop open a, a container of ice cream and just pound it down. But though food can reach the stomach, food cannot reach the soul. Food can't transform stress, anxiety, fear, regret, or guilt into peace and joy. Food doesn't go deep enough. Think of all the different things people turn to for comfort. Affirmation from others, shopping, sleep, some me time, comfy clothes, cuddling with something soft, music, the, the great outdoors, yoga, coloring, 
the arms of a lover, someone to assure them that things will be okay. Lots of things, different things, even many good things. But the first thing people turn to for comfort is seldom Christ. That's often true for me. When I'm distraught, I often run to Christina first. Why not Christ first? See, for me, Christina's there. She's physical. She's, she's with me. I can see her. I can talk to her. And it's easier for me to go to her. It's easier to go to something tangible in our moment of need. And please don't get me wrong. Going to a spouse for comfort is appropriate. It is good. But not when it supersedes Christ. Brothers and sisters, we must be very careful. Because we and our children are constantly tempted to avoid Christ and to go to other things first. Notice where the writer of Psalm 119 turned for true comfort. Verse 50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Verse 52, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Verse 76, let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Notice that he didn't mention Betty Crocker. Or a beach vacation. God's covenant promise gives comfort. Now picture a tearful child safe on uh, their mother's lap. And the mother is giving her son, daughter, that tender comfort that only moms can give. And this is the simile that Isaiah uses to depict God's comfort of his people. Isaiah 66 verse 13 says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. The warmth of a loving mother is calming and, and restorative. So the simile works. God is a practical comfort. For his children. Jeremiah 31, verses 13 and 14 explain what it is to have comfort. God says, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. See, true comfort is supernatural. The important thing for us to realize as parents is that true and deep comfort for the soul comes from God alone, from his promises, from his truth, from his everlasting love. God does the comforting. If we're honest, teddy bears can't turn mourning into to joy. Pets can't give gladness for sorrow in the deepest sense. Ice cream doesn't satisfy the soul. Comfort is supernatural. Acts 9.31 talks about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Parents, give your kids gospel so that they receive comfort from the Holy Spirit in the gospel, working in their hearts as they believe the gospel. I'll, man, I'll mention uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 because the application to parents is profound uh, parents, we need to hear this loud and clear. We need to put this to work in our parenting. I'll read it slowly so that you get it. Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us 
in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now understand this, God comforts. Uh, God comforts us in all our affliction with his law and with his gospel. And then we take the law and gospel comfort that we have received from God and we comfort our children and we comfort others with the same comfort. When, when Christ is your relief in anxiety, you can give Christ to your kids for their anxiety. When Christ is your support in failure, you can give Christ to your kids in their failure. When Christ is your reassurance in your fight and struggle against sin, you can give Christ to your kids in their fight and struggle against sin. So hug your kids. Cry with them. Ask them good questions. Listen to what they're going through. Maybe even buy them a slushie. Kids, you can cheer to that. But understand that soul-sustaining solace comes from God alone. From God alone. Our children, they need more than we can give them. Uh, so give them Christ and trust Him to comfort your kids. Our primary is, our goal as parents should be to prudently and winsomely and very tenderly instruct our kids in how to be consoled by God so that they go to God first and not to Legos or video games or pornography or alcohol or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or endless entertainment or even us. We must teach our children how to go to God first and to receive Him as the comfort for their soul. As Christians and as Christian parents, we need to think about comfort differently than the world thinks about comfort. We need to trust that God alone gives comfort and, and we must believe that the means that God uses to comfort his children is sufficient. The law and gospel heard, believed in the heart, and applied to the life. What are we ultimately trying to help our kids understand and apply? Well, let me ask this question. Number two, how does someone have comfort? We know that God gives comfort, but how does someone have the comfort that God gives? And simply put, faith in Christ, trust in Christ. We need to unpack how God gives comfort through faith. We need to understand the gospel and how comfort comes through the gospel when it is heard and when it is truly believed and when it is applied. And then we will be able to help our children understand how to be comforted by God first. So let's be honest. The affliction of our children are sometimes extreme. Sometimes they sin big. Sometimes their mistakes are big and have big consequences. Sometimes their failures are so significant, they may not fully recover in certain ways, maybe physically or maybe emotionally. Sometimes their hurt is so profound, such at a deep heart level, that, that it takes years and years for them to heal. And we want to be there for them. We want to help them along the way. 
So considering the extent to which our children, you could add in friends and co-workers or relatives or spouses, to the extent that they experience pain, we should not expect earthly comforts to be sufficient for the, for the things that they go through. Now, if your kid is going bear hunting, you don't want to hand them a daisy BB gun. That would be a bad idea. That would make everybody nervous. You hand your kid a Remington 700. That has some stopping power. And you take them to the range and you show them how to shoot it, how to aim it, how to do it all. That's what you got to do. And that builds confidence when an 800-pound grizzly bear comes a-walking. You whisper, son, you're sitting there with him. There is an 800-pound grizzly approaching from your left. And he looks hungry. And he's coming slowly our way. Now, at that moment, if you look down and you see that your son has a daisy BB gun, everybody is uncomfortable. That's not a good moment. You want to look down and see something in your son's hand that has the firepower to bring down the beast. Night terrors, bullying, debilitating disease, PTSD, phobias, anxiety, ADHD, ASD, gender confusion, friendlessness, anorexia, poor academic performance, substance abuse. We could go on and on and on about things that our kids face. Things that they face. These, these are grizzlies that kids face all the time. And we need to give our kids more than daisy BB guns. Okay, how does someone have deep comfort for their soul? And the Heidelberg Catechism asks this, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Only is a strong word. And your sinus didn't answer teddy bears, and he didn't answer hugs or shopping or chocolate, because none of those things, if we're honest, get deep enough to give true comfort to the soul. This is how your sinus answered, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. That is what we need to help our kids understand. I'm trying very hard to help my kids understand that by grace, through faith, they belong to Christ. Perhaps your, your kids are grown, perhaps they're out of the house, uh, and maybe they don't know Christ. And if that's the case, this is still your goal, to help them trust Christ so that they can receive true comfort from knowing that they belong to Christ. For, for some of us, our children are small, and we can help them set good patterns of repentance and faith and assurance of who they are in Christ. The preaching of the word and their baptism signify and seal for, for them this wonderful gospel reality. But let's be sure that we understand the truths that we need to teach. Number one, comfort comes from belonging to Christ. Comfort comes from belonging to Christ. Paul reassured the Corinthians with explicit terms, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. 
And I believe that Paul included covenant children in that reality. I love what Paul said in Romans 14, verse 8. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. So if your children believe that their life belongs to them, they will not be comforted. Comfort begins with knowing that you belong to Christ. Help your kids know and understand that. In, in the scary thunderstorm or in the breakup or, or in the life-altering diagnosis, they must know whether I live or whether I die, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I am His. That must be their comfort. Number two, comfort comes from having your sin debt paid in full. Imagine your child bearing the burden and weight of their sin forever. It's horrifying. I don't want to think that. We don't want our kids to bear their own sins, but to instead trust that Christ has already borne them. God demands payment. Either your child will pay for their sin in eternal hell, or they will trust Christ that he has already paid the price. The Apostle Peter said that the precious blood of Christ ransomed God's people. So when our kids sin big, I mean a doozy, they put it out there. We're embarrassed. Things went wrong. How can we help them understand that as they trust Christ in the moment of their failure, they are clean. They are forgiven. They are pardoned. They are ransomed. How do we do that? Well, we talk to them about texts like 1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. All sin. Our kids need to know that. They need to hear that. Our kids need to know that it is the blood of Christ alone which cleanses them of their sin. True comfort comes from being made clean by Christ alone. They must know this. Number three, comfort comes from being free from the power of the devil. This is such a critical truth. This is so helpful for our kids in their everyday battle against sin. It's helpful for us. The gospel says that Christ has destroyed the power of the devil. The gospel says that Christ has delivered his people from the lifelong slavery to sin and the devil. The gospel says that believers have been crucified with Christ and are no longer slaves to sin. Our children will not find comfort until in union with Christ they realize they are free to live to God. Number four. Comfort comes from being sovereignly preserved by Jesus Christ. What does it do for covenant children to know that Jesus promises them, I will never leave you nor forsake you? What does that do? Uh, how might it comfort them to know Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand? What does that do for a child? When, when I was a kid, I really struggled with the assurance of salvation. Quite frankly, scare, uh, I, I was very scared of hell. Just did not want to go. It gave me creepy thoughts and, and I was scared. And through the years... God has been very good and very merciful that I have learned that it is God who grips me. His grace keeps me. 
He will keep me by His grace. That needs to be unpacked for our kids. And parents, you need to know how to help your kids unpack God's sovereignty, His keeping grace. Number five, comfort comes from being convinced that God works your best and your worst moments for your salvation. Okay, so your child gets devastating news. They got cut from the team. They failed the class. They got rejected from that college that they always wanted to go to. They found out that they have cancer. They realize, and it's finally starting to sink in, that they're same-sex attracted. You should embrace them. You should weep with them. But your tears wet on their shoulder will not ensure them that these worst moments work for their good. Only the gospel can do that. You need to give them gospel with your embrace and with your tears. Romans 8.28, it's not cliché. It's not a platitude. It's consoling gospel truth for those who trust Christ. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Don't just quote that to your kids as if that's going to answer it. Unpack that for your kids. Help them unpack and apply it to their struggles. Number six, comfort comes from the inward assurance of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask an honest question. Think about this. Can you do the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of your child? You can't. No, we can't. A parent's effort is external. Only the Holy Spirit can assure your child from within. Give them the law and gospel and then trust the Spirit to work. Scripture says that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Brothers and sisters, particularly those of you with young, younger children at home, teach your covenant children that they are children of God, that they belong to God, and then trust the Spirit himself, trust the Spirit to bear witness from within your child as they trust Christ, as you teach them how to trust Christ. Trust the Spirit to work in covenant children. Don't treat them like reprobates. Don't talk to them like they're reprobates. Treat them as children of the covenant, as they truly are, who must look to Christ and by the Spirit. Receive gospel comfort daily from their covenant God, from the promises that their God gives them. Number seven, comfort comes from eagerly living for Christ. Now, I think we do our children and others disservice when we stop at the truth that Jesus died for our sins on the cross so that we can be forgiven. Parents, you can't stop there. Be honest with your kids. Go from guilt to grace, but don't stop at grace. Make sure you move to gratitude. We must teach our children and others that unless, unless someone lives for Christ, they should have no assurance in Christ. And I'm not talking about perfection, not what I'm, not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about joyful and increasing Holiness. Consider these few verses very carefully. 1 John 2, 4 says, Whoever says, I know him. In other words, I know God. I have a relationship with God. I know him. But does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. 
1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 1 John 4, 20 and 21, If anyone says, I love God, I do, I love him, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has Seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. These are clear verses. They're not difficult to understand. Comfort in life and death does not come from a prayer said many years ago, but from a lifestyle of love and obedience to God because love and obedience to God confirm that the faith being proclaimed is real. Don't give your kids false assurance if they walk in open unbelief and rebellion against God. And at the same time, help them to see that as they walk by the Spirit in love and obedience, it is God's grace that you see at work in them. So encourage your kids. They need constant encouragement. I I saw the Spirit work in you. I saw His grace do this. Did you see how you were kind to them in this situation? That was God working in you. Thank God for His grace at work in you. Constantly building up those things of the Spirit that we see at work in our kids' lives. Heidelberg number one is profound and it summarizes much scripture. So let me give you Ursinus's abridged summary. Let's pull it all together in a quick statement to kind of summarize what I've been saying. This is what Ursinus said. The substance of our comfort, therefore, is briefly this. So here's the substance of our comfort. That we are Christ's and through him reconciled to the Father. That we may be beloved of him and saved. The Holy Spirit and eternal life being given unto us. If you teach your kids Heidelberg number one, and you help them apply it to all of their life, you will be building into them a theology of comfort. A theology that we trust will come alive inside of them as the Holy Spirit works. Guilt, grace, gratitude. Number three, how can we comfort our kids and others? And there are many practical and loving things to do to comfort uh, your kids. Please do those good things. But but your primary focus should be to build into them a theology of comfort by continuously helping them understand and apply guilt, grace, gratitude. Well, how do you do that? As a parent, you take the paradigm guilt, grace, gratitude, which is throughout Scripture, it's easy to see in Scripture, and you unpack it over and over and over again for your kids. And you do it in different ways at different times and in different situations. Be creative, but use guilt, grace, gratitude, that paradigm, to help your children find comfort for their soul through the ups and downs of their lives, which they absolutely will have. Ask the same question that Heidelberg Catechism Question 2 asks. What do my kids need to know it's my job to teach them what do they need to know, what do they need to grasp in order to live and die in the joy of this comfort, the comfort stated in number one. 
So question one explains the comfort. So you need to understand how someone has true comfort. But question two clearly defines what someone needs to know in order to have that comfort. So here's the paradigm of true solace, true relief, true comfort. What do your children need to know in order to live and die in the joy of belonging to Christ? Just three simple things. First, how great their sins and misery are. Second, how they are delivered from all their sins and misery. And third, how they are to be thankful to God for such deliverance. That's simple. Guilt, grace, gratitude. And that paradigm outlines how to teach your kids the comfort of the gospel. It's pretty, pretty easy to remember. So here are the three points. Number one, guilt. One of our jobs as parents is to help our kids get clear on their own sinfulness. We're helping them see it in themselves. Uh, when, when that's done, please hear me carefully, when that's done with wisdom and with tenderness and patience, then it's not mean, it's loving. And the other angle to think about of helping them understand their own sinfulness, another angle on that is, what happens when our kids are wronged by others? Well, now if we've built this into them, they have a framework to understand sin manifested in the world around them, done against them. They can understand that better. So, so not just their own sin, uh, guilt, and misery, but the sin, guilt, and misery of others around them sometimes aimed towards them. Without a robust doctrine of sin and guilt, our kids will be very confused about themselves and very confused about the world around them. Romans 3 describes our children. None is righteous. No, not one. No one does good. Not even one. There is no fear of God before their eyes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So unless you want to destroy your kids, which I trust you don't, but unless, avoid telling them to follow their hearts. That's terrible parenting. Don't tell them that. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, says very plainly, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our kids should never follow their hearts, which will always mislead them. They must learn to follow Christ, who will be their comfort, will be their leader, will take them where they need to go. Trust Christ. Now, how do... How do kids understand their human sinfulness? It's actually quite simple. They must know God's law. Paul said in Romans 7, 7, If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet. If the law had not said, you shall not covet. All right, so you think that your kid has pneumonia. What do you do? Where do you take them? Hopefully, you take them to the doctor's office so that, so that they can get a proper diagnosis. Yes, this is pneumonia, and this is our... This is our pathway ahead. So you know your kid's a sinner. They might not know that. They need to be taught that. So as parents, we need to affectionately and empathetically, that's a huge word, take them to God's holy law so that they can understand their own sinfulness. Make sure that they continue to learn the depth of their sin. Help them see that their heart naturally rebels against God. And honestly, it naturally rebels against you as, as their parent. And do, do that with utmost tenderness, utmost clarity, 
utmost empathy because you are a sinner just like them. It's not finger pointing. It's saying, I'm with you in this dear child that I love. We are both in desperate need of God's grace and we will go together. Your mom and you, we're going to go together to God to receive grace. We're going to go to Christ for grace and he's going to comfort us. Let's go together. Heavy-handed law without tenderness, clarity, and empathy on the road to Christ is a good way to harden your child against Christ. We take our kids with us to God's holy law again and again in order to build into them a healthy perspective of their need of God's grace. And this is loving them. Dr. Ursinus said very profoundly, where there is no knowledge of our misery, there is no deliverance sought, just as the man who is ignorant of his disease never inquires after the physician. So let's ask ourselves, why would our kids escape to Christ if they have no concept of their need of Christ? We must help them. We must use God's good law to help our children sense their need of grace and deliverance. And then we must get them to Christ to receive grace and deliverance. Number two, grace. This is the gospel, the news of salvation in, in and through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We must explain for our children and others how they are delivered from their sin and misery. Acts 4.12 says, and there is salvation in no one else. So all other doors, they're just closed. Not going to find salvation there. In no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. As cool as Batman, Brady, and Beyonce are, salvation is not found in any of their names. They can do nothing when it comes to comforting the soul. We must help our kids see the perfect righteousness of Christ. We must take our kids to the gruesome cross of Christ to see in his death and uh, the, the death of sin, the death of guilt, the death of misery. We must take our kids to the marvelous resurrection of Christ to see in his life the power of life. We must get our children to the gospel of God's grace in the person and work of Jesus Christ so that they know how the wrath and judgment of God is removed from them and replaced with Mercy, compassion, forgiveness, pardon, comfort, love, and true freedom. Isaiah 12 verse 1 says, You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. This is key. God is righteously angry with people who belittle his holiness and his law by their wickedness and sin. But by his grace, he turns his righteous anger away from those who escape to Christ in order to do what? To comfort them. Turns his righteous anger away to comfort them. Shopping at five below doesn't do that. It cannot remove the just wrath of God and the discomfort felt in his condemnation. Only the assurance of God's grace in Christ worked in the heart by the Holy Spirit can do that kind of work. So then, we must preoccupy our children with law and gospel, repentance and faith. We must help them turn from that which 
causes their misery to turn to that which comforts their soul, the grace of God received through faith in Christ. Number three, gratitude. Gratitude can be misunderstood. It's not merely this internal fuzzy feeling of thankfulness. I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed. Well, gratitude is more its action of obedience. Not heartless, joyless, emotionless duty, but obedience birthed out of appreciation for God and appreciation for receiving His grace. Gratitude believes that grace has been received in Christ, and then gratitude acts upon that reality of receiving. Gratitude says, I believe that I have received God's grace in Christ alone, and I am I'm just so happy that I want to live my life to please my Father by the grace that He supplies me. I just want to do it for Him. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Gratitude is doing the good works by the Spirit's power so that others are drawn to God's glory and God's grace, which they see at work in you. Hebrews 12, 28 says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's grace. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship or service with reverence and awe. That's gratitude. When we believe that we've received the kingdom by grace through faith, we then serve God with reverence and awe. We must help our kids. We must help them make good choices. We must help them do the right thing. We must help them do good works, not because it makes us look good as their parents, not because it helps our kids get ahead quicker and to succeed and be good in business or whatever, but because they've received grace and they want to express their gratitude to God. So, so let me just say how we explain this type of thing, how we connect the dots for our kids in, in what I'm talking about here, informing them, that it's so key that we, that we explain these things in clear terms that they're understanding why we're telling them to do the good works. Because they've received grace in Christ. They belong to Christ. So we need to be very careful that our children understand why we're asking them to do the good things. Guilt, grace, gratitude, a very helpful paradigm for parents. So your child comes to you in the middle of the night and they are scared. What do you say in your grogginess? You can't even see straight. You just got up. Guilt, grace, gratitude. It, it may sound something like this. Son... I know you're scared. I get scared too sometimes. Uh, God never gets scared. Isn't that amazing? But we do because we are weak and we are needy. And, and sometimes we get anxious and we start to worry instead of trusting God. We do that. And so I'm glad that you came to me. But you know, I can't always be with you. But God can. You need God, son. And he is bigger and he is stronger than I am. So let me pray for you and let's trust together that God will protect you. And then I want you to stay in bed. Please stay in bed. And if you get scared, 
Pray to God and believe that he is with you. Believe that he will protect you. Believe that he will comfort you. You belong to God, son. And, and God loves you. And so trust Christ as your courage, son. Trust that Christ is your courage. He's with you. Now, that doesn't take very long. But I think it hits the main things. It just takes tenderness. It takes clarity. It takes empathy. And it takes consistency to keep at it. Guilt, grace, gratitude over and over again in different ways, at different times, and in different situations. Your, your, your child is struggling to find friends. They feel alone. What do you do? You help them unpack guilt, grace, gratitude so that they can understand the world and so that they can see life from God's perspective. What do you do when your daughter gets pregnant, she has an abortion, and you find out from a friend? You don't disown her. My goodness, you love her with guilt, grace, gratitude. You help her understand God's law and you help her understand the gospel. So your son has an anger problem and throws tantrums all over the place in maybe the shopping cart in the middle of the store. And you feel embarrassed. What do you do? Over and over again, you explain to him guilt, grace, gratitude. And you lead him to Christ over and over again. Your son throws a party, and at that party, kids get drunk, and they do drugs, and they have sex in your house while you're away. What do you do? Guilt, grace, gratitude, parenting. That's how you respond. Your adult child is making bad decisions. You see it. They're not living for Christ. It's throwing you into chaos. What do you do? Well, you carefully think through guilt, grace, gratitude as it pertains to your adult child. Then you respectfully ask them for some moments to talk. And you sit down and you unpack for them guilt, grace, gratitude. I really think that this little paradigm, if you remember it and you know how to you grow in the skill of unpacking it for your kids and for others, that it will help you. And that, and that you'll be able to use it faithfully with God's help. And I think years down the road, when your children grow up and they are old, they're going to remember this little paradigm. And you will have built into them a theology of comfort. And I think your kids will thank you for being clear, for being empathetic, for training this into them.